Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. As far as me and Jimmy goes, we're just some lucky I always felt that I had to work harder than the next guy just to do as well as the next guy. And to do better than the next guy, I had to just kill. Hi, everyone. It's Jack Rico, and thanks for listening to episode 40 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. That was Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine from the HBO documentary, The Defiant Ones, which aired this week. If you haven't seen it, man, you are missing out on a master class on creativity and determination from two of the most successful people in the music business. And before I tell you about the great show we have on tap for you today, I had a chance to see all four hours of this documentary, and here are the four major takeaways that I took from it. One, an absurd work ethic. Bruce Springsteen and Bono from U2 took Jimmy Iovine to his physical limits, and that's where he learned that to truly be successful, you have to live your job or project. You can't half-ass it. Number two, believing in your work. Dr. Dre experienced unanimous rejection for his album, The Chronic, but he knew he had something special, and after knocking on dozens of doors, that's when he met Jimmy Iovine, and the rest is music history. Number three, gut feeling. Dr. Dre and Jimmy always had taste and a nose for talent. Just ask Dre about Eminem and how he discovered him. He knew that this dude was going to be amazing. They listened to their gut and it brought them to the promised land. And finally, number four, pure luck. This is what you heard Dre say at the beginning of the podcast. Listen, without luck, you will see results with the aforementioned factors. But with luck, you're going to go supernova. I hope you find these tips useful, and in the meantime, we have a solid show for you today. We start with Wilson Morales. He's the editor-in-chief of BlackFilm.com, and he's here to discuss the best movies of 2017 so far. Did Wonder Woman make the cut? Then we talk War for the Planet of the Apes. I sat down with American Honduran actor Gabriel Chavarria, who plays the preacher in the film, to talk about his emotional reaction of being cast in the film, the time he quit acting, what it means to be an American Latino, and where does this guy get his confidence when dealing with rejection? And finally, it's been a crazy week in sports. We had Major League Baseball's Home Run Derby, the All-Star Game, the ESPYs, the, the Gold Cup, and rumors about the Knicks Puerto Rican star Carmelo Anthony. He's supposedly being traded to the Houston Rockets? ESPN's Cristian Moreno recaps everything you need to know about what's been going on in sports this week. We'll talk about that and a lot more. So keep your headphones on. This is the Highly Relevant Podcast. So we're more than halfway through the year and movies overall have been very mediocre at best, but there are some gems that are worth watching. So to help me discuss the top five movies of 2017 so far, I welcome in Wilson Morales, editor-in-chief of BlackFilm.com. Wilson, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, not much. All is good so far. Yo, dude, you, you, you are one of the most committed film critics I know, man. What, what, where do you unearth this amount of devotion to film? I don't know. I think it's, I, I've been watching films since I grew up. You know, and it's everything's all films bring something new to the table. Uh-huh. That's the joy of watching, you know, watching movies, you know, and getting a different taste of what you're seeing based on the genre, the actors, the story, you know, so everything is something new. Now, you, you your main focus is African-American is the African-American industry, uh, mostly in film and television. You know, we capture or we watch every film out there, but there'll be more emphasis on promoting the talent in front front and behind the screen, you know, of those who are black, African-American, and so forth. Now, your last name is Morales. 
I want to say yes. Will, Will, Wilson Morales. That's what I want to <laughs> say. But uh-huh. dude, you you're you're not Latino, are you? I am Latino 100%, but somewhere deep deep probably my background is Afro-Latino. <laughs> okay, so wait, mom and dad are Latino? Where are they from? Uh both my parents were from are from, are from Honduras. So you're Honduran? Yes. Wilson, you never told me this. This is like a new discovery. I feel like I just discovered America. <laughs> Thank people. Thank you. Well, you didn't ask the right questions. <laughs> so, so you, you're, you're Honduran. Uh, well, I was born here, so I'm an American technically, but my parents American Honduran, right? Just yes. like uh, my boy Gabriel Chavarria, which is in War for the Planet of the Apes. He was in Lowriders too. He's from uh, his parents are from Honduras. Okay. Um, and uh, but but you like to focus specifically on the African-American industry. And I've told you many times, why haven't we united like the Avengers <laughs> and done <laughs> Latino and African-American and cover them both together? Like, why don't you cover Latinos if you're a Latino yourself? Yeah, but you barely do it, man. You're like 99% African-American. Well, the funny thing is you said it yourself. You, you know, your opinion is that you don't think there's enough Latino people out there. It's true. As... As a, as a, you know, think about it. And, and granted, you know, when you look at it nowadays, you have more shows on. You have now, you have a good amount of TV shows uh, that feature uh, predominantly black cast. You know, whether it's uh, uh, everything um, that's a big hit right now revolves around the African American community. I mean, that is the the biggest talent, the biggest names that are minorities are mostly African American. Hispanics, Latinos, dude, they're really non-existent. There, there are no leads. There are no Latino leads anywhere. Name, name how many movies outside of Lowriders, right? Uh, which was an indie, but a big movie, man. They, they, you don't see them. I mean, you got One Day at a Time on Netflix, and that it's gotten some good reviews, but nothing scale. What about uh, Jane the Virgin? Yeah, the lead. But, right. Well, Gina Rodriguez is an anomaly. To be quite honest with you, she's an outlier within our industry at the moment, and she is not the normal. And and it, we have to normalize everything. And I was talking to this with Gabriel uh, within this podcast about why don't we have? And I'll actually I'll pose you the same question, Wilson. Why do you think we don't have an A-list Latino superstar in Hollywood right now? Well, you've had it. There were they. they Gina Rodriguez like black- is not an A-list. Not yet. Just like, just like, well, granted, you know, we have Denzel, we have Will Smith. You know, at one point or another, you had Je- Jennifer Lopez when she was when she was doing movies consistently. Yeah, I mean, you can go back to Javier Bardem, Penelope Cruz. You got the Jennifer same. Lopez, but these people are part of an old guard now. They've already achieved the pinnacle of success, and in and as part of the new generation, there are no fresh faces. It's almost like Hollywood deliberately doesn't want to give Latino actors an opportunity to shine. Like we saw Transformers, man, right? And you and I were in the same theater. You were sitting right in front of me, and we saw Isabel Moner. She was the Latina girl who's half Peruvian from the last Transformers movie, The Last Night. And dude, Michael Bay was trying to make her into the new Megan Fox. The the, the amazing moments that he was capturing just for her, these operatic moments, was the arrival of the new superstar. But what about Zoe Saldana? Zoe Saldana, you know... I still want to think that Zoe is part of that old guard, but she's also she's also not considered lead yet. Um, in Avatar, what? no. The, okay, the last movie she was a lead in was Colombiana. What about Rosario Dawson? Rosario Dawson's not a lead. Name a new name a movie that a movie that she was the here's, lead. Here's on. the lead actor for you, Oscar Isaac. Okay, Oscar Isaac. I'll give you that. But you know the thing with Oscar Isaac is that. He's going to win an Oscar in the next three to five years. I know it. And he's probably the only guy uh, that, that can do that. The problem with Oscar is, is Oscar is mostly known as an indie guy. This is a guy that was, does one blockbuster film, and then he does like four or five indie films. The biggest movie he's ever done was The Force Awakens. Okay. What about Edgar Ramirez? You know... He's co-star, man. I mean, Hands of Stone, uh, Gold with Matthew McConaughey. I'll give you that. What, I'll give you that. The, uh, he did, wasn't he the lead in the uh, the uh, Gold Point with Break Matthew spinoff? 
the point yeah but but off. yeah but you know no one saw that movie <laughs> no one saw that movie so so he's not carrying movies he's not making millions of dollars you know we go back to this again number one movie at the box office carried by a latino jennifer lopez did that with the wedding planner you remember this Mm-hmm. There, Javier Bardem can't carry a movie, make it a blockbuster film. Penelope Cruz you can't do that. Salma Hayek came out with Beat- Beatrice at the Diner, but that's an indie film, and that was very controversial. I spoke to Miguel Arteta about that not so long ago, and, and everybody's up in arms. He's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? The ending? It's an indie film at the end of the day, dude. There are no blockbuster Latino actors, man. They're what just about aren't. that guy, Eugenio? Eugenio Derbez. Are you seriously Eugenio, kidding yes. me? A-list? A-list? <laughs> Come on, a guy? You think Eugenio best can work with Clooney, oh, Brad Pitt, a, Damon? Michelle Rodriguez. No, now now we're talking. Michelle Rodriguez should be an A-list. An she action star. No, she's not. She doesn't carry a movie on her own back. Okay. Vin well, Diesel does. It. Well, so you're looking Vin at Vin Diesel does triple X and Now you're money. looking at it. Now, granted, there are, we're talking females in general. There aren't that many that can carry a film. Not that many. No, they're so, su- they, they are mostly supporting the lead, which is usually white or usually African-American. Now, if I were to tell you right now, name five African-American A-list stars. Go for it. Go right now. Right now. Yeah, you got, you know, Denzel Washington, Will Smith, you know, David Oyelowo, you know, Viola Davis. Yeah, that was, this, that was four right there. And now uh, what's this dude that's about to do Black, Black Panther? Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick you know, Boseman, who did 42. So, yeah. So, so th- I mean, that was right off the cuff. That was right off the cuff. I can't do that. So, so it is hard for me, man, to, to, to feel like... I was going to say, a lot of it also has to do with marketing. You know, I think, you know, you look, there is... I don't know if in the Latino community, but there's a lot of, like, let's just say, black outlets out there, whether it be magazines or websites that help promote these individuals. And some of these individuals go out themselves, you know, whether it's their social media pages and they, you know, they do things to put them in the spotlight, to be aware. Mm-hmm. So when you look at these actors out there, you know, we know of Michelle Rodriguez, but she doesn't, you know, she's not on her own. She's not going out on Twitter and doing things and so forth. And whether or not any of these Spanish outlets, magazines, TV, put a, folk, a, a certain focus on these actors. You know, don't even you know? get me started with the Spanish language magazines. You know, I have such a beef with them because they really only focus on Spanish language Latino actors who really have no crossover potential. And because that's, they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're, it's extremely limiting, you know, and, and it bothers me because the Latino today is all encompassing. They're not just belonging to one particular specific market that's very limited by language and very limited, you know, by their scope. You know, there are Latin Americans that are here in the United States, but most of them have like visas uh, and they, it has to get renewed all the time. We're talking about U.S. born Latinos, man, that have the mainstream capacity to attract white Americans, African-Americans and any type of American uh, to go see their movies. Now, I'll tell you this musically. Yo, dude, Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, if they wanted to be actresses, they can probably carry a movie. But it's like on and off. And, you know, they prefer music more than movies or even TV. So, you know, we're still stuck, man. We're still stuck. But let's talk about the best movies of 2017 so far, Wilson. Uh, I got my five. I want to hear your five first. I would say definitely I, I throw it in there. Split. Oh, that's exactly what I got. I got at number five. I got split. Okay, number four. Number four, Beauty and the Beast. What? Wow, bro! I've heard so many mixed feelings about that movie, but that's cool. You got a number four, All right? What's your number three? Number three, I would I will have the Big Sick. Okay. All right. Number two. Number two, I'll throw in there. Um, it's kind of weak this year. I'll throw in there Spider Man. All right. And your number one. Get out. Okay. Here's my num- here's my top five. Okay. Best movies of 2017 so far. At number five, I got split by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> hey, pardon me, sir. I think you have the wrong car. At number four, The Big Sick. It's that rom-com with uh, Zoe Kazan. Yes. I should tell you something, babe. I've been dating this girl. She's white. A white girl? Hey, you can't look like you and yell white girl. It's okay. We hate terrorists. At number three, 
Logan. As I live and breathe, the Wolverine. I need the girl. What girl? And we're down. She's like you. Very much like you. At number two, I can't believe you didn't even mention this movie, but whatever. Baby Driver. So what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a chauffeur. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. What is your name? Baby. Your name's Baby. B-A-B-Y Baby. And my number one is Get Out as well. Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. Those are my top five. Why did you not include Baby Driver? You know, there was, a, I guess, you know, Baby Driver is a good film. Don't get me wrong. Baby Driver is a good film. I think with Beauty and the Beast, you know, because people will say, well, you, you're going to have your distractors on that one. Um, Beauty and the Beast, it's, you know, for those who did not catch it in 91 or have ever seen it, it still captures the same feeling. For those who saw it in 91 saying, okay, it's just basically the same thing. Just now live, you know, live animated. Uh, I mean, live action. Uh Baby driver, baby driver is good. You know, I kind of thought drive was better from a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know, true. Uh, but we're talking about the movies this year. You know, we're not relating them to you know films from the past. This year, through July, Baby Driver is, in the words of a friend of mine that I saw it with, he said that this is today today's generation's Pulp Fiction. That's what he said. Uh, Time will tell, it's, you know, the thing about Pulp Fiction is that you watched it, you know, it didn't have the hype. Actually, Pulp Fiction did have the hype, you know, um, but Pulp Fiction worked because of the script and because of the acting. And because here, of the director. And because of the director. If anybody else directing this Baby Driver, would, you know, because Edgar Wright had a lot to do with Baby Driver, you know, and you put another director in there, you wonder if it gets the same fanfare. Edgar Wright has been like this one of these popular directors who could never get like a big blockbuster film this is this is the film that is going to put him on another level right it's going right. to get him a bigger script and now you can tell producers let me get more money to go bigger so let's let's go to split at number five m night Shyamalan. we both picked it at number five why do you think that this movie deserves a top five ranking well you know the funny thing when the movie came out in january people didn't have much to go with you know M. Night Shyamalan has had the best of films lately, actually for a long period of time. It's, you know, it, he started off great, obviously, uh, with The Sixth Sense and had a few films afterwards that did well. Then it got to the point where it's like, fool me once, not fool me twice. <laughs> you, know <what> I'm <laughs> you know, where you now go walk, you know, it got to the point where you walked into the film and you're like, you're like looking for the gimmick and he gives it to you. So well, the visit so was great though, man. You got to give him at least that. The visit was fantastic. If you guys haven't seen the visit, it's about a mother who leaves her two kids with her grandparents, except that yes. she never went to truly see her grandparents. She just sent them off. And when the kids get there, uh, they find out that the grandparents aren't really the grandparents. It started the momentum. It started the momentum yep. of bringing him back, but there was still that cautious cautionary tale, which is why they released Split in January. Because usually January releases are like, okay, we, you know, they're in the middle of the Oscar race. They're not expected to make a lot of money. And James McAvoy did such a great job. He really did a good job. And capturing the different personalities. Right. That 23 it, you personalities know. is what the movie basically says. We don't see all 23 of them, but we do see enough personalities that this dude in this movie was like seven actors. All yeah. of hey, all. You haven't <laughs> seen that. No, no, you, you haven't, haven't seen that. that. And I think it's Jason McAvoy's probably best performance ever. It is definitely M. Night Shyamalan's, you know, comeback movie to Hollywood. It's a statement movie. And what I like about this film is that it combines sci-fi and horror and suspense in a in an incredibly creepy way, man. And one of the really awesome things about it, I like about this film is that it and explain to me, Wilson, because sometimes I forget about this. Is it a prequel or a sequel to Unbreakable? Because well, right at the, the like, end, Bruce Willis comes out. We don't know, you know, and then there's a talk that there, that there's gonna be a crossover between both films and his next project. So we don't know where it comes in. 
before or after you know so that's the that's the intriguing thing about it and that and that's why it continues to sell so at number four i have the big sick now you had a chance to see the movie correct yes all right what is so great about this film that everybody loves so much i think people want a story that they can relate to especially it's a romantic comedy what i what i what number one what i like about it i think more than anything it's a multicultural film it's an interracial relationship film that you don't see that that often. I mean, Get Out is also an interracial relationship film, um, yeah. and it's an Indian, so you can actually have the Bollywood Indian American community uh, relate to this a lot, where the Indian uh, American is going out with a white girl, um, and that's what I truly. That's I think the appeal of it, and the fact that it's a romantic comedy. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's I kind of called it my big fat Greek wedding meets while you were sleeping. <laughs> That's a great analogy, man. Think about it. It's, you know, you have you have ethnicity ethnicity involved in which the whole you know you you can't be with a white person and, and vice versa and so forth, which is almost a similar tale in my big fat Greek wedding, and you know while you were sleeping, obviously where Sandra Bullock. Uh, tries to tell the family of the person who's been, you know, in a coma and gets along with his family, which is the same situation in this guy. <laughs> right, right. At number three, I got Logan. Now, this is Hugh Jackman's last time playing Wolverine. He retired after this. The movie came out twice in the same year, one in color, and they re-released the film in black and white. Now, for most people that haven't seen Logan, it's Wolverine, but at his most serious I think the last maybe two, three films that Hugh Jackman has done, we've seen the evolution of that wisecracking Wolverine to this very serious, very depressing almost to a certain extent uh, Wolverine. And in and, and Logan, it really captures more the Logan character than the Wolverine characters. Very much what Marvel did with Spider-Man where it was really a Peter Parker film, man. It wasn't a Spider-Man film. Um, and And... and there was the the finalizing arc about this, but it's a drama. The action here is secondary. Did you like Logan, and do you believe it is the best Wolverine appearance that Hugh Jackman has done? It's the best Wolverine from a from a because it's a film, not a movie. You know, when you look at the previous Wolverine, the, the previous Wolverine films, they were movies. They were made for commercial appeal. Um, you know, and I guess. This time, James Mangold said, let's scrap it all again. You know, let's make a movie here. Let's make this serious. You know, we don't want it to go out as a whimper, you know, and you had the right story to tell with it. And, you know, when you look at it, it's a slow burn. You're wondering where, how far, where is this character going? That you don't need to, it's a standalone film that you don't really need to include the other members of the car- of the Marvel Universe, you know, to kind of help it out and so forth like they've doing with their other films. That this movie between him and Patrick Stewart alone, you know, because they've had that father-son relationship that you know has existed throughout the the X Men films. That this one's still alone, you know. I think for Jackman, you know, hey, you know, no other person has played more of a Marvel character besides you know besides Tony um, Robert Downey Jr. than him. Who do you think can play Wolverine after Hugh Jackman? I think every other actor would be hesitant to play that role because. Hugh Jackman's played it for nearly 20 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to want to step in his shoes? Right. It wrote a play, but like, you know, it's, you know, those are the roles that's tough, you know, which is why, you know, you don't get guys playing James Bond so often, you know? Right, right. By the way, Daniel Craig just, uh, just renewed his contract to play one more James Bond, James Bond 25. Adele's coming back Because he's giving him most that. money. He, you know, he doesn't make as much money when he doesn't do James Bond. Yeah, no, totally. You know? And at number two, I got Baby Driver. We already talked about it uh, briefly. And uh, at number one, we got Get Out. Why? By the way, I'm not the only one. You're not the only one that says Get Out is the best film of the year so far. Many critics have already put out their list, and they have Get Out at number one. Is it the real deal, and does it have any Oscar contendership? You know, I, we spoke not just, just just a few minutes ago, and I'm, I'm thinking back now, only a few minutes later, they go, it has potential. You know, I think, you know, when you think about it, you know, um, a film that's resonating with audiences, you know, people go in this movie thinking it's just going to be a thriller uh, by Jordan Peele, who no one really knew because 
not everybody really knew his work on uh, uh, Pe- this, this is Pell. Jordan. This is Jordan Peele's first film out the gate. It's his debut. First, it's insane. And it's racked up record after record after record. It's the highest grossing original film for a debut at $250 million, a person surpassing the Blair Witch Project. You know, um, as a black director, he's the first one to make $100 million on his first film out the gate. Uh, so, like, and, you know, you look at his lead. Let's watch the girls. No one knows who Allison Williams is. And Daniel Kulaya, if I'm even pronouncing his last name correctly, unless you saw him in Black Mirror in one episode or in Sicario, mm-hmm. you don't know who he is. So these were fresh faces. And so that audience going in there, looking at this movie and paying attention to the story because they're not paying attention it's to the It's all about the story. Uh, there is no superstar A-list actor here. There's not even B actors here. These are novices to a certain extent unknown actors and i think that for you those of you who hasn't get out yet you need to do yourself a favor and sit down this weekend and check out get out Uh, it's a psychological horror movie where it becomes gory towards the end but i think that the main appeal the principal appeal attraction of this film is that it is a socially conscious film it is clever it is witty uh, it tackles racism. It tackles culture. And you don't know how to how to deal with it at first. You're like, what is going on and how should I feel? I think that was like the main thing that the reaction in me and I think many people is most of us didn't know how to feel. Yeah. People walked out of that movie and they were like, what do we just say? <laughs> and it's exciting. You know, it's a, and it's one of the rare movies where you can actually talk to the screen you know, as people did, and still feel good about it. You know, the numbers say it all, you know, and I think when you talk about Oscar, I think screenplay should be a definite, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's the that's the one. I think, you know, we still got a lot of time left before we start talking top 10. But right now, if you're looking at the first half of the year, if it's if we both have, have it as number one, mm-hmm. then it's in there, you know, so it's then, this is, then it. it's this is the movie. You know, so it's a matter of whether or not people will take it. Look, you know, at the end of the day, you want this movie to go to the dance. Mm-hmm. You know, you want it to be recognized because a lot of times, you know, any movie prior to July doesn't get any doesn't get recognized Oscar time. There's only but it's been a few, you know. So you want this movie and Jordan to go to the Oscars so that people can recognize, hey, this was one of the best movies that came out this year. It may not be who knows by the time we hit next February, be anyone's top five. But at least you want to recognize that, hey, this is a film that captured audiences from the beginning towards its end. The, the fact that it's still at 99% Rotten Tomatoes with the exception of one reviewer. Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's a rarity. That is a rarity. That's a rarity. Wilson, thank you so much for being on the Highly Relevant Podcast. You can check out Wilson Morales and all the coverage he does in the Hollywood industry uh, on blackfilm.com. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. It's time for Jack Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Daniel Craig will return as James Bond in Bond 25. There will be a Mamma Mia sequel. The new Scarface remake starring Diego Luna has lost its director and Peruvian Ricardo de Montreal from Lowriders could be in the running. Spanish director Jamaco Yetzera is the top choice to direct the Suicide Squad sequel. Quentin Tarantino is developing a film about the Manson family murders and Jennifer Lawrence and Brad Pitt are in discussions to star. And Disney is struggling to find stars for its live-action remake of Aladdin. More about that next week. In TV news, Emmy nominations are in. HBO's Westworld and NBC's Saturday Night Live tied for the most nominations, earning 22 nods each. Stranger Things Season 2 will be released on Netflix October 27th. Netflix orders Elite, its second original show from Spain. Former Today Show host Tamron Hall is co-creating a new daytime talk show with Weinstein TV that will be a blend of current events, human interest stories, and in-depth interviews with celebrities and other influencers. Megan Kelly's new morning show on Today will debut September 25th at 9 in the morning and will feature a live studio audience. Fox Renews Beach Shazam with host Jamie Foxx. The Weather Channel will be using augmented reality for its coverage of the solar eclipse on August 21st, and Game of Thrones starts 
this Sunday, July 16th. Switching over to music, Daddy Yankee is the first Latino artist to take the number one slot on Spotify with 44 million monthly listeners. Selena Gomez teases her new sexy song, Fetish. Demi Lovato has a very R-rated new song titled, Sorry Not Sorry. Acclaimed Colombian band Bomba Estéreo to open arcade fire shows in the United States and South America, and Gino Miranda becomes the second Latin ambassador for the Men's New York Fashion Week. And in digital and social media news, Apple is adding 3D lasers to the next iPhone. Facebook is going to start serving ads in Messenger all around the world. Block Twitter users are suing President Trump. Over in the UK, Google is funding a new software project to automate the work of journalists in local news outlets. CNN's mobile app is receiving one-star reviews from hundreds of users. Oculus is planning a $200 standalone wireless VR headset for 2018. And Time Inc. is planning on changing its company name to Life. I had a chance to sit with American Honduran actor Gabriel Chavarria. The first time I had seen this guy was in this year's Lowriders. And the dude had star quality written all over him. And now he's in the new War for the Planet of the Apes. So you can imagine his rise in Hollywood's been pretty quick. He plays Preacher in the film. And we had a pretty candid interview uh, about the Hollywood business, the negative aspects of auditioning, and why there are still no A-list Latino actors in Hollywood. So you're here uh, promoting uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, how's it going so far? It's been great. Um, you know, the, the reviews are crazy. Everyone's loving it. Everyone who's seen the movie already, like, you know... Um, and everyone who hasn't seen it are super excited. It's probably one of the best of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Arguably. Arguably, know? right? Yeah. yeah so absolutely. it's it's a very emotional movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are going to, you know, they're going to take away, they're going to have an experience throughout this film, I feel like. You know what I mean? You're him. You're Caesar. We've been searching for you for so long. We heard you had a hidden command base, but we could never find it. Some of us started to think that you might be dead. I did not start this war. What were, I mean, is this your first blockbuster film, you would say? Yeah, this is definitely the first. Yeah, yeah, 100%. How, how do you feel about that? I mean, is that like graduating from the minor league to the major leagues? <laughs> um, it's great, man. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's something that like, you know, it's a little surreal for sure. It's definitely surreal, but it's something that like, you know, as an actor, you know, you, you it's what you work hard for. You know what I mean? You right. work hard to get these opportunities into This uh, is your all star game. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? You had a good season. <laughs> and you get put into the all star game. So <laughs> it means you get you did good. Your stats yeah, are good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's exciting, man. It's really exciting because it's like, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than this, right? So, Absolutely. I mean unless yeah. you're in the Avengers, you know, right, right? Again. which you might be in a couple Hope, of years. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> so what's has this experience been like for you? And I don't want to talk about professionally. What's the experience been for you like personally and emotionally? You mentioned the word surreal. Yeah. Do you feel that at this moment you're living like the dream, like the American dream? Is this the pinnacle of it all? I would say so, man. Honestly, I mean. What does your family think? What do your friends think when, when, when you heard, holy shit. Yeah. I just got cast <laughs> in War from the Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that 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 definitely was like, I had a moment, you know. I almost cried. Like, I was about to cry. I think I, I, think I did cry. <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, I got the call, you know, and it's like. And it's, why? Why did you feel like that? Why did you feel like you cried? Like, I think more because it's like, you know, it's, um, you know, being in this industry for so long, at least for me, I've been doing this for 10, 11 years now, over over 10 years. So you um, feel like a veteran, right? I, I, I guess so, right? I mean, I feel like I, I you know, I've, I've, I know the business, I understand the business, um, and uh, you know, it was like one of those things. Where it's like, man, like you know, it's it's, it's a tough industry. It's not easy, you know. It's it's a hard thing. It's a, it's hard to 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 be uh to be let alone be a working actor, you know, and then a successful actor, right? So and you know this because your friends probably are gigging just like you, and oh, they yeah. can't seem to 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 get gigs, right? Right, right, hundred percent. So. It was one of those things. Where it was like, man, like all the sacrifices, all the all the hard work, all the all, everything, everything kind of just like it just starts to make sense and it feels good. It's like you're doing the right thing. What were some of the struggles that that you felt were sacrifices you had to do in order to get to this moment? Oh, damn, that's a good one. Uh, 
a lot of things, man. Like as I was telling my brother the other day, like um, we had a conversation about how like uh, about sacrifice, and I told him I was like, you know, I remember after high school, like all my buddies, you know, they all had nice cars and they all had nine to five jobs and they worked hard and they, you know, they had night, you know, some of them had their own apartments and stuff. And, you know, I wanted those things, you know, but I, I, I knew that like my job was uh, being an actor is, is not, that's not an easy thing to provide. Right. Absolutely. Like you can't, it's hard. You lucky to get work. But so I made sacrifices as far as like, I knew that I couldn't have the nice car. So I would like, you know, I'd find, you know, I'd, I had to get, you know, a, a bucket. Literally right. a bucket, right? So, right. Um, and then I couldn't have my own spot. You know, I couldn't take the nice girl out to my own spot because I didn't have my own spot. So I would stay with my brothers who, you know, they've supported me since the beginning. So I would sleep, I'd, I'd couch surf for like forever, you know? And, uh, but that was, that was my personal, you know, commitment to what I was trying to accomplish. And when these things happen, you know, it's like, it's living proof of like when you, or when you're sure that about something and you want to do something, you're gonna do whatever it takes to do it. And when it happens, it's it's the best feeling in the fucking world. Did you ever Forget waffle on that? Did you ever waffle on, you know what? If I don't get this gig oh, today, yeah. I'm yeah. quitting this thing. Oh Screw yeah, it. oh 100. And I this I give credit to my to my manager Mike Ballridge. He he dug me out of a hole. Like he I had I quit acting. I quit acting. I think what? It, yeah yeah yeah. Not a lot of people know this story, so this this is this is a great story. Okay. Um, I quit acting when I I think it was in two thousand and oh, I don't know maybe like a few years back, four or five years ago. Okay. And but Mike, he was always he was like Gabe, no, like you're you're almost there, like you just gotta keep going, you gotta keep going. This is this is the game, this is how it works, this is the way this is the way the industry is. <clears throat> you can't take things, you know, personal. And for me, that was probably the biggest lesson in my career was was. Uh, was realizing and accepting that, you know, I can't control certain things, right? You can't control a lot of things, but the only thing that I can control is my work ethic and my, my, uh, my commitment to what I'm trying to accomplish. Right. And, and that was, that was, that was it. It was an eye opening experience because it was, I wanted something so bad and I thought it was mine. And at the very last minute it wasn't. So how did you deal with rejection? Uh, I mean, rejection, it's, it, it's, rejection is a, I mean, it's a big part of it, right? It's a big part of being yeah, an actor. you walk into, you walk into a room, yeah, and they're and like. you think you nailed it. Yeah, and it's like, nope, you're nope, not, nope, yeah, all right, the next you. guy, right. I mean, it took a while to, 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 to be able to be immune to that, you know? I, I mean, for me, because I'm so. It stings at first. Right? A little, of course it does, right? I, especially for me, because I'm so competitive. You know, I come from a, from a sports background, like my, my, you know, I was, I was going to play professional soccer, so. You know, and I take that with me into into acting, and um, when you know when getting rejected is like it's like losing a game. You, know, <laughs> you, you lose, you lose, you lost today, right? Absolutely. So it's like, but you got another game. Yeah, you got another up. game coming yeah. up. So how do you bounce back, uh, right? Exactly. How do you, how do you bounce back from that? And I think the biggest thing is 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 you learn, man. You just you continue to learn and you continue to grow from everything that you experience, right? And without losses, without failures, you don't learn or anything about yourself. You don't, you won't get to grow. So that's for me is it was always like, I was always looking forward to like, all right, what am I going to learn today? Or what am I, you know, what's going to be different about right. today? So, and I carried with that and I still carry that with me. So a little while ago, you said that there's some things that are out of your control. Was one of those things out of your control, the fact that as a Latino actor trying to make it in this white Hollywood business. Mm -hmm. Was that something where uh, you just didn't like maybe the roles that you were being offered or oh, the yeah. roles? 100%, yeah. I mean, this is, and this, this is funny because like going back to East Los High, because it was, East Los High was the first all Hispanic cast with, it was the first show with the all Hispanic cast it, for the English language. Yeah, I remember. It was yeah. brand new. Everybody yeah, it was, was like, what is yeah, this? Yeah, what is this? And mind <laughs> you, I, I said that when I read when I read the uh, the breakdown for the project. You're like, what I was the like, hell? what the hell is this? Like, are you kidding? Like, this is a, all the, I'm looking at the roles. I'm like, Hispanic, Hispanic, Hispanic. And I'm looking at lead, 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 lead. I'm like, wow. what? This is, this is golden. Like, this, what is this? Yeah, this is new. Yeah, this is new. So I, I remember telling my team, um, like, yo, I need to be a part of this project. Like, I need to be a part of this. Like, somehow, some way, put me in. Like, I got to go in for this. Because at that time, you know, there wasn't, you don't, weren't really finding too many lead, Hispanic leads in TV or, or film, Dude, right? there barely are any now. Right, exactly, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It is what it is. And at before that, prior to that, I was doing the thug roles. I did, you know, play the, the, 
the, the, the suspect. And, yeah, you know, that's the I'll, entry level yeah, stuff. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, the stuff you do at, right at the that. beginning. Yeah. yeah, so I knew that there was a golden opportunity. And I always believed in myself, right? I always believed in my skills. I always believed in the experiences that I've had, like that I can, you know, I, I, I want to be, and I want more. I want to be a, I want to be a star. I want to be a, a lead of something, a part of something, you know, mm -hmm. bigger than just <laughs> getting shot at, you know, <laughs> and then like dying in the like, first episode. You know what I'm saying? So at the opening scene, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't even make it to the next scene. Um, you'd be lucky if you get a flashback. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, man, like you know. It, I, you know, that I dealt, I, I went through that, like, and we all have, right? A, a lot of actors, have, Latino actors that have gone through that. So, and, you know, even with apes, like, I'm Latino, right? And I'm. Are you the only Latino in the movie in terms of on screen actor? Uh, I believe so. I think so. Oh, Mercedes, Mercedes, she was, she was, she was, she was Latina. She, she was half Latina, if I'm not mistaken. She played one of the soldiers when we right. were. This is coming out after, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So see, when we were captured, um, she's she's like right next to me. She's she, ah, okay. yeah, yeah, she's the one saying like uh, she said something to the other guy. Is that still odd for you that you walk in and you're like the only Latino dude in the movie? Nah, no. Nah. That, that you're immune to that now. No, it, yeah, no. I don't. It doesn't feel that way at all. For me, it's like I felt like I belonged. Wow. Okay. You know what I mean? So like, you didn't feel like okay, I'm I'm like the new guy here. No. You know, there's Andy Circus and there is no. I, I mean, I have like my my little moments for sure, but right. but again, because I'm so competitive, it's like here's the stage, here's the last, here's here's the ball. Right. What what are you gonna do? Right. You're gonna it's gonna make your break. It's your opportunity. Right. It's like what are you gonna do? You better show up or, you know. So what has given you the character to be that confident? For me, for me personally, for me is 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 God. Like I'm very spiritual. I'm, I believe in in I believe in God. I believe in Jesus and. I've experienced things in my life that have always, I can only point to one thing that made sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. and it was always, for me, it's always been the man upstairs. So when I'm, when I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, again, and I, I'm, I'm lucky, man. I'm lucky and I'm blessed. And I thank him for everything, right? I thank him for everything, every opportunity. And I know that from the moment that I was exposed to, to this industry, like I, it was it, just that story in itself, like, this was this was what I, what I was meant to do, and I had to I had to. It took me a long time to accept that. Like it mm -hmm. took me a while because I was trying to still play ball, you know. And I was doing other stuff. I was like, you know, just being a regular teenager. You know what I'm saying? And like, um, you know, I partied and did all the fun stuff, right? Like everybody else does. Yeah, you but, got that out of your system. Yeah, exactly. So, but I knew I was like, man, like I, you know, I have something. God put something in in my life for a so reason. You were aware of it. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely aware of it, and. And that's what I, you know, that's what I take with me. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to serve, right? I'm here to serve, and, uh, and that's this, you know, this is this is what he, he, he put in me, and I'm just showcasing the the skill and the talent that he has provided for me, you know. Changing gears for a second, um, one of my favorite roles that you've done so far is Lowriders. Oh yeah, yeah, baby, and <laughs> Danny boy, dude, it, it, it's a movie that to me spoke about the evolution of the Latin American Hispanic, which mm -hmm. is the U.S. Latino. Mm -hmm. The trailer, there, there was a trailer that I saw where you said, no, actually, I think it might have been the opening scene of Lowriders where you're like, you don't speak Spanish. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. You, uh, you you live in L.A., you, you know, you're not Mexican from Mexico. Mm -hmm. Never been Me to Mexico. Right? Me yeah, yeah, yeah. Mexican-American, mm -hmm. you know, in the movie. Me and my homies, we've never been to Mexico. And no, our Spanish ain't perfect. When I saw that, it was one of the few times, man, that I felt that there was a movie that really, truly captured the essence of the U.S. Latino. Mm -hmm. Because you have Latinos knocking U.S. Latinos, mm -hmm. Latinos born in the United States. It's like, you're not really a Latino, man. Yeah. Have you gotten that at any point? Uh, like, has somebody challenged your Latin heritage? Uh, I wouldn't say challenged my Latin heritage. No, not me personally, but I've been around people that like have, and it's like, and that the cool thing about Lowriders about that film, because I, I related a lot to to especially Danny's character because I'm I was born here in L.A. I was born and raised in L.A. And my pa my Spanish isn't perfect. Like I can speak Spanish, but that's not my first language. And it, nobody knocks you on that. No. No, not not really, because everybody, 
everybody that I grew up around with were the same as as as, as me. I like it's funny because I tell my I, I like to tell my friends like I'm. I'm not Latin American. I'm American Latino. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm an American Latino. You know what I'm saying? Because if you think I'm a Latino American, it's You're like, American first, right. Latino second. And then second. I'm Latino second. Like, yeah. Because I was born... This country gave me everything. Everything that I know, everything that I am is is American, right? Absolutely. And of course, I, I know I know where I come from. My, my parents are from Honduras. Like, I know my roots, right? I've been to Honduras. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and Low Riders, you know, uh, the character Danny, you know, he's a kid that is, you know, he's... He was born here. He's never been to Mexico. He doesn't speak the language. He doesn't right. speak Spanish. So there's a lot of kids out there that are like that. Dude, and it's it's it's, you it's know, a movie for today's Hispanic. For today's Hispanic, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. And and to be a part of that for me was a big deal because I was like, man, I can relate to this so much. And and it's uh you know it's it's the first, hopefully the first of many films like that, or you know what I mean, to serve the American Latino. Why do you think that in 2017 we still don't have an A-list Latino actor? A Latino star, a superstar. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why hasn't it taken? Why has it taken it so long? Because they haven't given me the role yet. Ah. <laughs> no, so, so you're no. you're you're one of the new crop of actors yeah. that has the potential to be that guy. But uh, yeah. why do you think yeah, to yeah, this yeah. moment we still haven't had it? I don't know. I feel like now. I feel like now the industry has finally taken notice of. Of, of the Latino community and you know we we're the majority man we go watch the movies we're the That's big right. numbers you know what I mean and and we don't see ourselves in a lot of stuff that's out there you know what I'm saying so now I now they're finally I, why did it take so long I don't know honestly I don't know why it took so long but like again even with apes with preacher's role like it could have could have been anybody else yeah it could have been could have been white, could have been black, could have been popular, could have been, you know, big star. I don't know, right? So, um, I don't know. I, I feel like we we as Latinos, especially actors and, and entertainers, writers, directors, whatever it is, you know, we, we gotta we have to showcase. We gotta show. And if you know, there's there's opportunities out there. We just gotta go out there and show and, and capitalize on them, right? So, I mean, I don't know, man. Like for me, at least for me, like I that doesn't stop me. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't stop me. It never, it never had. Like, I just knew that I love this, this, this business. I love this town. I love, I love Hollywood. I love acting. You know, I do it. I, I'll do it on any, on any scale for the, you know, the right project for, for the, the passion behind it that I have for it is, 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 um, is what drives me. Um, so yeah, man. I don't know. I, I just one of those things where like, there's a lot of Latino talent out there, dude. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot, and they're unknown. And they're unknown. But they got the skills. They have the skills. They could be stars tomorrow. Right, right. So I think, for honestly, it's just a matter of time now. You're right. It's right. a matter of time, you know. We got shows like, again, this is why, why East Side was so important, because it was, you know, it was a great opportunity to showcase Latino talent. Why do you think East High didn't make it to network, to Netflix, to, to broadcast the cable? <sighs> I don't know, man. That's that's already on the business side of things. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I like it got canceled now, right? It got. It, I don't know. Yeah, it got canceled from Hulu, which is strange. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that, honestly, because it's like I don't know, man. Because you know, Hulu Hulu's a great platform, and I'm we're I'm happy that we were able to 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 work with them and you know and 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 they were they were really really good with us with the show you know they they allowed us to do you know a lot of a lot of you know we pushed the envelope on a lot of issues in Mm -hmm. the show absolutely a lot of you know so but you're starting to see that on you know on regular stuff on regular tv and regular stuff so um i don't know man i feel like i mean honestly there's there's still a lot more room for east coast high there's there's way i mean there's we can continue the stories for sure. Yeah, the college edition. Yeah, the college edition. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> like Saved by the Bell. You know? Yeah, exactly. You got the old, you know, the older generation, and the new generation. So there's 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 a lot more, a lot more life for East Coast High. Before we wrap up, how are you preparing for the release of War for the Planet of the Apes? Do you, do you, did you rent out a, a movie theater to have all your family and friends? I, I mean, we've talked about it. We, I, we got a group text with my brothers, and they're like, yo, where are we going to go see it at? <laughs> when are you coming back from New York? Like, where, where are we going to do this? Like, right, so you're already getting all the fans yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, we're already getting it hyped up. I'm actually, I, I, what I want to do too, I, and I've never done this, I don't know, maybe it'll be too out of control, but I, I kind of want to get fans to come out. Like, you know, I'll, come yeah. watch, I'll watch it with fans. 
That's and just to have you that experience. That. You know what yeah. I mean? So well, I'll, you'd be separating yourself from the rest of the actors who don't do that. <laughs> Seriously. I think it'd be cool, right? I think it'd be Absolutely. cool, man. Absolutely. Dude, yeah. they'll love you for it. I just like, hope that it doesn't get too crazy, you know? like no, Especially in LA. Crazy. Yeah. And then it hits, <laughs> like like a, it, it hits the 6 o'clock news. Yeah, it's right. like, well, you know, Gabriela Trevillo's theater is reading. Of, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to do that, Jack. I, I really <laughs> think I'm going to do that. Because I, I I missed it on it on Lowriders. That's right. But then again, Lowriders, you know, was a new film like with apes. Everyone's gonna go see Apes. No, it's already this, this you know, is a global thing. Dude. Yeah, it's an the iconic last, franchise. The last movie did over seven hundred million dollars. Yeah, they're saying this one's better. It might actually make might might clip a billion dollars. <laughs> what does that mean for you, as an actor in your career? Are you already making plans? I mean, have you been called by agents? It's like, all right, dude, you're the it actor now. <laughs> what what's been the 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 talk, the buzz about you right now? I don't know. I, I don't know, Jack. Honestly, man, I, I'm. I don't know, man. You're I'm, just taking it in. I'm just taking it in. You know, I, I I try to take it day by day and and uh and just you know just just soak it all in. You know, one second at a time because uh you know this is Hollywood, man, and it's, it's you know it's, it's here today. It's, it's gone here today, tomorrow. It's gone tomorrow. You know, so um that for me, I just want to soak it all in and and uh, take it day by day for sure. Gabriel. Thanks for being on the Highly Pleasure, Relevant Jake. Podcast. Pleasure, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Before we move on to our next segment, here are some new songs you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Cuando tú quieras me llamas. Me llamas. Piso 21, featuring Maluma. Sorry, Not Sorry, Demi Lovato. Por un beso de tu boca, Silvestre Dangón. A lot going on in sports this week. You got the ESPYs that happened uh, this week. You got the home run derby. And uh, Aaron Judge probably consolidated himself as the face of baseball uh, at the moment. The All-Star Game, uh, which was kind of boring, but uh, Robinson Cano, a Dominicano, uh, won it in the 10th inning uh, in extra innings, which was the first time since 2008 that that happened. The Gold Cup is happening. And if you guys don't know what the Gold Cup is, it's uh, North America's men's soccer national team tournament. And uh, outside of that, th- th- there's the new rumor that just came out that Carmelo Anthony is being traded to the Rockets. So to talk about this and to help me kind of break everything down, I got uh, via Skype. Cristian Moreno, he's a bilingual sports journalist on ESPN, co-host of The Locker Room on 1050 ESPN here in New York City, and he also hosts his own sports podcast called Unfiltered Sports Talk is Christian. I was just on it uh, a few weeks ago, and man, that was a lot of fun. Welcome to the Highly Relevant Podcast, Christian. Well, it's my honor to be here, man. Indeed. Uh, Wow, It's, uh, it's really something. Much respect, man. You really rocked it. Uh, it felt like a takeover. I mean, uh, don't even undersell yourself. Look, uh, dude, I'll be honest I, I with you. Away in that. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I thought it was going to be like a 10, 20 minute convo. And I looked up and the door was, somebody was knocking on the doors. My phone was ringing. I was like, why is everybody? And then I looked at the, at the time we had been talking for an hour and 22 minutes time just flew by i didn't even notice well i talk a lot and (laughs) you know like thank god i will say even though i talk so much thank god that i have what we call in spanish labia Uh that's the colombian way Uh Parla nice. is the Colombian way. <laughs> yeah. Lavia um, has I more would... of a sexual connotation in other languages. Uh, true. <laughs> if I would not have that with all I talk, oh my God, I would be so bad with ladies. <laughs> Christian, so um, let's begin immediately with what's going on with this Carmelo Anthony trade. What do you know about this? Uh, 
I hear that the Rockets and Knicks are sort of negotiating. It's like a four-team. What's going on? Uh, All we know so far is uh, that he would be landing in Houston to play with his buddy Chris Paul. So far, he and James Harden. Yeah. So what this has to do, and and why I mentioned Chris Paul, is because they're best friends. He said it. Yeah, he was very straightforward. He was like, I will go to play either to Houston or to Cleveland with Chris Paul or to Cleveland with LeBron. That's all I want. So that's the why he would go to Houston as is the viable one to this. Mm-hmm. And obviously this would add a piece that would put Houston in big perspective. It would give them like that extra push because now you additionally have, uh, have a clean score mm-hmm. that would create space as well. And Carmelo would be the most lethal version of him because for the first time he could actually be in a team in which the only thing he would be asked to do would be score (laughs) and if any, play defense at some degree, which he has never done in his life. Right. Moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the home run derby. Man, 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 Aaron Judge. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, this has been the talk of the week, this home run derby. Now, I have not been watching baseball for years. Why? Uh, Look, I think part of it is that I just, with age, you know, as you grow, the interest in baseball started waning with me. I I started getting, I was more attracted to basketball. It was more exciting. Uh, The game felt slower. There weren't many superstars like I used to see back in the day. I mean, I feel like in the '80s, it was like one of the glory, the, one of the glory times in, in modern baseball. Everybody felt like a superstar. Then the steroid era obviously was an electric moment in baseball, and then it kind of just went through the dark ages, and that's when I kind of just disconnected. But now there's this new crop of players that have made baseball so exciting again, and probably the face of it is Aaron Judge. The man won the home run derby. Are you ready to put Aaron Judge as the face of baseball over Mike Trout, over uh, Kershaw, over anybody else? I'm not ready to say that, yeah, he's going to be the king of the world because it would be too preposterous at this point. He's had a good half and awesome one. He just put the record over DiMaggio for most homers for a rookie. Yes, perfect. Now, can we actually say that he's going to be the king of the world? No, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to actually have to recur to actually – You know what? Let's give it time. He's very big. We've seen how very short time in regards of a career big guys can have. He's 6'6", almost 300 pounds. So it's very, very, very accelerated if we were to say that he's going to rule the world. Maybe he will. This dude is the LeBron James of baseball. He has almost the same type of body type, man. I mean, he could have played football. Any day. And the fact that he chose baseball, he's like a giant amongst men. It's He's insane to look at. I haven't been to a Yankee game yet because, again, I've just just been turned off by baseball. But this new crop of players um, has really sort of excited me again. Like, I I think I want to go to the stadium to see baseball again. Uh, Quickly, before we we wrap up, the All-Star game, once again, it turned out to be boring. Which is one of the Very reasons boring. I, which is the reasons I, I don't watch the All Star Game and I don't watch baseball on TV. I just cannot give anyone three hours of my time anymore. There's just too much going on in my life. Three hours doesn't fit in most people's lives anymore. And so, where do you think the the, the state of of the game is right now? Do you think everybody's going to come back because of these young electric players, or are we still going to see? Uh, a decline in, in, in audience at the stadiums, a decline in, in, merchandise, in merchandise appeal, and a decline in the sport overall. Let me divide it in three. Like, one would be, you could dedicate three hours perfectly if Tom Brady is actually facing Matt Ryan in the Super Bowl, <laughs> and you wouldn't feel it, would you? Well, it's 16 no. weeks. I mean, we're talking about 16, 17, 18 weeks yeah, overall, right? But it happens to be entertaining to see the guy. He's an entertainer, and... You know, it actually comes along. And the games way. aren't that long. There's no extra innings, you know, that go into the 19th inning. You know, it's there's cutoff points here. Uh, yeah, but they last almost around three hours. It's just that 
the value time you get is so much easier to actually digest. But at <laughs> least it's exciting, Christian. Baseball yes. is boring. In today's bo- in today's era, baseball is boring. No, and, and, it's waiting and, and waiting and waiting and waiting, and I'm going to change the picture now. And oh, now I'm going to, like, trot the damn bases, and the, the oh, other no, guys are I, getting gnats in the outfield because in the sun. and It's too much, man. Listen, you're talking to a baseball junkie, and I'll tell you this. I drink coffee once a day <laughs> by standards, 6 a.m. Now, that norm was broken all three days of the quote-unquote All-Star Week. It was too much. I had to drink coffee. Yeah. Was, and I'm a very hyped up person all the time. And still, it's very difficult when you present uh, an all-star game, which lacks the presence of legit stars. They have a bunch of guys that if they walk out on the street, unless you're a hardcore fan, you will not know. There is many ways. And I think that the solution to your question is actually going to be answered at the moment. They actually take the stance of creating stars, of promoting diversity and, of course, of wanting to live in 2017 and not 1945. <laughs> yeah, it's too, way too I traditional. I not fathom, and tell me if I'm wrong, Lil John, Jamie Foxx, and Pitbull were the top three celebs that they actually pulled off for the whole event. Yeah, if Miami lovers. best you're willing to offer in 2017 you know you you should be having you should be having super bowl halftime like shows at the all-star game but no one gives. but no one cares about going because oh, that's the thing i mean no one really, cares man no one maybe maybe the, the, the young kids maybe and you know but uh if you wanted to make a splash you could have had jay-z actually make it here i bet you they they asked him and i bet you he said no yeah because he doesn't care but uh <laughs> But Christian, uh, finally, uh, the Gold Cup, uh, for those of you who don't know what the Gold Cup is, uh, it is where all the North American soccer teams, national soccer teams, get together, and it's the men's uh, national soccer teams get together for a tournament that happens here in the United States. Um, Is there any interest in watching this? Because I'm a huge soccer fan. But when you start putting out the bench on the national teams, to play, you're basically watching the under-21 teams uh, get some playing time while the big stars are sitting down. Uh, is there any interest to see the Gold Cup, and can they improve upon it by actually putting the stars in at some point? Not in this edition, and it's the problem with that tournament, and it's precisely that one of the two editions that the, the Cup actually has is always going to be handicapped because they're going to be coming from playing that Confederations Cup. So they're going to be playing like Mexico is with their B team. Yeah, and it's that- it's a problem for Univision. It's a problem for Fox Sports uh, where, from what I've been reading, the ratings have been very low. But they've been giving yeah. it top coverage, and nobody's tuning in. Nobody wants to tune in because, again, well, you know, it's like you don't have the time to see the bench play. Let me put it this way, and I'm going to hurt feelings, but it's okay. It's the truth. It's, if it's with the truth, you can't get hurt. Mexico is playing with their B team, and Mexico is not by any means a, a top power in, in soccer. They've never been. They've just been portrayed so. I think they're a great reasons. rival. I think they're not an easy out. Uh, yeah, but they're not the team. No, they're not the team. They're Even though the they're team. portrayed like that, mm-hmm. which is the biggest problem why a lot of people create rejection towards them. So, if they're still favored to win this cup, playing with their B team, and they're not even a great team, that does not stand well if you're a network as far as what you're going to get in results. Mm -hmm. So, you're always going to have a handicap when one of the two cups that actually matters for the Confederation classified, which that puts you, okay, let's wait for the 2019, and that one they're going to play all out. So, yeah, let's wait for that one. Okay, what happens to the other one? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I don't want to say it's, it's a worthless cup because at the end of the day, it's a professional event. And no, man, but once you're, do, once, once you're putting in the bench, to. once you're putting in the bench, you're basically tanking the, the yes. tournament. You're tanking the tournament. You're, you're, you're allowing, I'm not going to pay $150 to go watch the bench play, man. Come on. No one should. And indeed. And again, that's a tough part. 
And again, I think that just to make things as frank as they can, wow, any time that you can actually say that you're going to play with your B team and you're still going to be the odds-on easy favorite against all others that are playing at most with their team, wow, I, I think that says very bad stuff in regards to the tournament. Unless and you're Germany. I'm, unless you're Germany. Because their B team is like an A team, all-star, world-class. I mean, they won the Confederations Cup with yes. the top A-list stars. The problem with Mexico is that they believe they are, but they are <laughs> not A team. So <laughs> it's like, My Mexican listeners are going to hate you, Christian. They're going to send me, they're going to send me hate <laughs> tweets, dude. <laughs> in the middle of the night, you're going to be getting notifications on your DM. He goes, More you than likely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mexican way, basher. No, no, no. Hey, I, I have a lot of Mexican uh, women I love, like uh, Jimena Sanchez. Oh, my, oh my God. You're really like... Barlin Favela. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, I, I have my sweeties. So, yeah, <laughs> much love from Mexico. <laughs> I'm helping myself back. Cristian Moreno, co-host of the Locker Room 1050 ESPN here in New York. Uh, also, check out his podcast. Really cool. It's Unfiltered Sports Talk. He's Christian. Christian, thanks a lot for being on the Highly Relevant Podcast, my man. Thank you. And remember, you can follow me at Christian Moreno D. And uh, by the time you're hearing this, I will also have in parallel Vladimir Guerrero and Hugo Balta as my guest for this week. Love sure Hugo Balta. And Vladimir Guerrero, go for it, man. Great baseball player. He said great things about you, man. Love oh, you, I man. love Hugo. Hugo. Hugo's the man. He's a... Uh, for those of you who know Hugo Balta, Hugo Balta is the man in charge of uh, Latin content over at ESPN. So kudos to him. Say hi to him for me if you can. I will be doing so. Thank you so much, Jack. That's it for episode 40 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Wilson Morales from BlackFilm.com, Gabriel Chavarria from War for the Planet of the Apes, and ESPN's Cristian Moreno for passing by on the show. And thank you guys for taking time out to listen from your favorite streaming platform wherever you may be. If you like this U.S. Latino podcast, please share it on your social media apps, tell your friends all about it, and if you can, have them subscribe to the show depends on you guys to help us get the word out. Hope you enjoy your weekend and stay connected with us via showbasecafe.com. See you next week on another episode of Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.